What's up, guys? Kyle Krabs, Chris Schubert, Joe Marino, the draft dudes, and not quite our regularly scheduled Thursday or Tuesday, Monday night. Getting all amped up for the Super Bowl here. I feel like Joe Marino getting my days mixed up. <laughs> uh, are not a regularly Monday night scheduled programming, but this is a special week. It's the Super Bowl week. So virtual radio row. Uh, thanks to Brinks TV, here we are. And uh, we're going to talk some football. Uh, Joe, we're going to talk a little NFL draft. We're going to talk a little bit of Super Bowl. We're going to talk a little bit of Senior Bowl. We're going to talk a little bit of team building philosophies. So we got a ton kind of that, that we wanted to make sure we gave ourselves and took advantage of. But I don't want us to fall into the same mistake that we always do, which is say, oh, we got all this stuff. We get an hour. It's plenty of time. And then we look up and it's 7.58. And lo and behold, we only got through half our punch list. So Chris, that's where you come in today. Keep this ship headed in the right direction, my friend. Uh, I, I will captain us uh, to the promised land, Kyle. I, listen, I just want you to know that Ka that Paige tried to drive a wedge between us at the end of the TD and fantasy show. I heard this. Let's not let that happen, okay? You no, and I can, are on the same page. We, we can do We're going to be okay. You're, our friendship is stronger than that, and no matter where Deshaun Watson ends up, you and I are going to be just, just fine. That's not true okay. at all. All right. I think the reality with that, though, is while I think both teams should be all in on getting Deshaun Watson, you're okay if you don't. The Jets have the number two pick in the draft. They'll get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. The Miami Dolphins have two a tongue of Iowa. So while Deshaun Watson should be the apple of all of these teams' eyes, you're okay. It'd be okay if you don't get him. So we can still be friends. Do you, uh, do you hear what Dan Patrick said today? I did. Yeah, he said Zach Wilson will be QB2 is, is the source of what he was told. And, and Dan kind of challenged his source on it. And Dan said his source said you can ask – and pull any number of executives across the league, Zach Wilson expectation to be QB2. All right. Well, guys, I got to go. I got to go order my Zach Wilson jet jersey. I'll see you All right, at the go end have of the fun. Show. And I'll go get my Deshaun Watson. It'll be great. So Chris gave me um, some thoughts about that earlier today whenever you know, my, my mock draft came out 5.0 on the draftnetwork.com. And I had the New York Jets picking Justin Fields. And Chris, um, first thing out of his mouth this morning when we got onto the pod <laughs> this is was, true. hey, uh, you know, I'm not sure what happened here, man. Yeah, I, you, you know, I wanted Wilson. You gave me Fields. And uh, uh, sounds like um, maybe there's some traction here for Zach, uh, Zach Wilson being that, that second quarterback off the board. And it's, it's not as crazy as it sounds, right? Because you think about the precedent that we've seen in recent years and in, in quarterbacks who have a really strong final year on their resume – and this year more so than than other years in which, you know, there's quarterbacks who chose to set out. Trey Lance only played one football game this this fall. Um, we've seen this happen. My question is, does the recency bias take over? Not that Justin Fields had a bad year. You know, he had some really, really strong performances. His worst performance was without Chris Olave. Uh, Joe. I'm going to ask you because I already know what Chris is going to think. He's already expressed his desire for Zach Wilson to be the Jets pick at number two. But based off of what you know, and, and obviously with TDN scouting department, you know, we haven't gone through full cross checks yet. And that part of the process is going to give us a lot of enlightenment to have some of these hard conversations amongst our staff with the two of us, uh, Jordan Reed, Dre Harris, uh, Brentley Weissman's in on these conversations talking about, you know, what player has more transcendent traits based off what you know right now? Are you comfortable with Zach Wilson QB two? We flipping a coin. Where are you at? 
Listen, I reserve the right to change my mind course, as I get deep, deeper into this process. But Zach Wilson had the better season, and nobody's going to debate that. Fields has had the better career, right? He's had two seasons of really high-caliber play at Ohio State. BYU's a, you know, a good school, Don't right? Don't slander but my kooks. I, 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 and I, Don't listen, do it. Listen, <laughs> Ohio State, it's, it's a higher level of competition, right? Okay, I think they're more consistently going up against – defenses that are more challenging in the big 10. And and I think the fact that he did it for two seasons on that stage. And then you think about how well he played against Clemson, um, which right. to me says a lot because you're talking about a Brett Venables defense. I know that from a talent perspective, it's not quite been where they have in recent years for Clemson, mm-hmm. but they still got a lot of good young talent on that team. And there was that extra time for Venables to prepare. And I remember this was one of my favorite talking points last year with, with Joe Burrow and how with the extra time to prepare Joe Burrow and that LSU offense really took it to the Venables defense. And I think the same thing applies here where Justin Fields and that Ohio state offense, despite the extra time was able to go out there and really do some, some things that you don't typically see happen to a Clemson defense. So Right now, I'm just more comfortable with Fields. And the injury history, I think we overlook a lot of that with Wilson, where prior to this year, there was, there was kind of a long issue, a uh, long list of stuff. So I'm in on Fields personally, but, you know, the NFL could very well take Wilson uh, with that second spot. And Justin Fields has better traits, too. Like, And traits matter. Like, traits yeah. aren't everything, and the quarterback is a very cerebral position, and I get that. But you look at Justin Fields and, and physically what he's capable of, he's built much more dense to take more wear and tear than what Zach Wilson is. I think he's got a better arm. Zach's got a great arm, but I think Justin Fields has a more natural, powerful, accurate arm when he's not throwing on his platform in the pocket. So, you know, so many of these quarterbacks that have success right now and come in and have success early, their early success is attributed to, they went outside of structure. And I think Justin Fields, his traits will allow him to win outside of structure with more consistency than what Chris's picks Zach Wilson. Are we ready for some football? The NFL playoffs are in full swing and it's conference championship weekend. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. And that's betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag and use our promo code locked on for a 50% welcome Bonus. If you like a particular team's chances this weekend or you want to take advantage of some prop bets, check out betonline.ag because they have the best lines in the business. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, listen, guys, I, I don't want to jump in here, but the we all know who the number one pick is going to be. It is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And there's a uh, there's a there's a trivia question up on Brinks.tv right now. I'm going to ask you guys. You're not getting the choices that the listeners get and the, and the viewers get. They get choices for this question. I'm really going to test you guys. I'm oh, really going to push you on this one. I don't right? like this at all, but okay. Which number one draft pick, because we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl here in a second. Which number one draft pick has won the most MVP awards? Now, there are choices, but you're not getting the choices. You guys should know this. You guys shouldn't need any lifelines. You shouldn't need any help. Peyton Manning? Yeah, Peyton Manning, number one draft pick. 
Peyton Manning right now leading the way with 50% of the vote. I believe that is the correct answer. So I'm with you guys. So, so very good. See, that's why I didn't want to give you choices. I I thought it was right in your wheelhouse, but listen, we're all talking about the big game that's coming up on Sunday. There was a, there was a football game this past weekend. There's normally that, that time in between where there's no football. There was a pretty important football game over the weekend guys, the senior ball. I know you guys were uh, keeping your eyes on that with, with great intrigue and detail. Yeah. And and I think, the entirety of the week, I, I think this year more so than than other years, the practices, the three days of practices, the game itself, a competitive environment, so much more important than in your typical year. And it's an important staple of the draft process in a typical year because we don't know what the combine is going to look like. Uh, pro days are going to be a big question mark and, and teams having reps and, you know, are you going to send the same guy to every pro day with the same stopwatch so you can compare 40 times, which is what teams usually do. They like they have their guy running the stopwatch. Senior Bowl, it's kind of just, okay, we're going to fall back on the tape. We're going to evaluate these guys in person. We have a couple of days to have interviews with them. The game was entertaining. Uh, and I thought a lot of the same starring players within the game were the same players that starred within the week. You think about who played. Demetric Felton from uh, UCLA had a really nice game. Uh, Kellen Mond kind of rose up to be the best quarterback who played in the game. Uh, I thought Carolina made some nice second-half adjustments to kind of go up those seams and, and let Kellen Mond – that's where he's had a lot of success pushing the ball uh, a little bit throughout the course of his career at Texas A&M, Joe. I agree. And that's, that's kind of a fun talking point because we, we've talked a lot about Jamie Newman, uh, Mac Jones is there, but Kellen Mond seemed to be the quarterback, at least in the game that, that really mm, did the most to help his stock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've, I think you've seen the good and the bad when it comes to Kellen Mond. I mean, you go back to the Florida game this year and you're thinking this this is a first round quarterback, but you know, there's enough of of the bad that takes you off of that uh, pretty quickly. But, you know, I, I think for when you, when you really just kind of bring Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond to the table, do you think that Kellen Mond has done enough to this point to get drafted higher than Jamie Newman? Because I think the, the inconsistency of Jamie Newman continued to manifest itself at the senior bowl. Yeah. So Jamie Newman is a great, traits quarterback but we've seen great traits quarterbacks like Tyree Jackson like they they just don't get drafted right like it's and and that's kind of the vibe you got from Jamie you could tell he was rusty Uh, he had no sense of timing with his receivers the accuracy was not great Uh, you could tell it's been a long time since he took snaps in a football game and of course he transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia and then opted out of the season before the SEC season even started so like we haven't seen him since Wake and this Wake Forest offense that he played in you know because you know, you're the ACC regional scout for the TD and scouting department is one of the weirdest, wonkiest off the wall type off. There's very little that translates out of that offense. And then you think about some of the pass catchers he, he had there, like Sage Surratt. And you saw that early in the week for Sage Surratt, who was at the senior bowl and was a late addition. You throw the ball up down the field and the man will come down with the football. So like how sustainable is that model? I'm not so sure. You look at Kellen Mond. And he's had some staple wins throughout the course of his career. Every coach that you talk to raves about his mental capacity and his memory and, and uh, football retention of, of play concepts. So I think Kellen Mond, he has some traits. Uh, I don't think he's the most traitsy quarterback. He's, he doesn't, not a first off the bus type build at the quarterback position like a Jamie Newman is. Uh, but I think Kellen Mond is a passer gives you probably a little higher floor uh, because you know what you're getting versus Jamie Newman is a complete shot in the dark right now. Uh, you mean to tell me that, um, you know, like elongated mesh points and, uh, 
you know, quarterback run that's also an RPO built into that's not the future of offense in the NFL. Not even not even elongated mesh points. It's like mesh point and I'm going to walk forward five right. steps to ride it out and then pull it. It's Unbelievable. Like I've never seen anything like it. I want to bring up two defensive players from the senior bowl um, just to get us away from some quarterbacks here. And these are both players who really didn't play in 2020 that I thought did a good job this week. And and one of them is Hamza Nasser Dean, the safety from Florida state. And he played a couple of games at the end of the season. He tore his ACL at the, in November of 2019. And it took him a long time to get back. And he only played a couple of games for Florida state this past year. And, you know, we, I thought of him as a first round guy last year and then obviously the knee injury and then not really playing. He, he certainly lost some sizzle, but I think in terms of practice, he looked back to me, he showed some really good um, mobility and coverage, you know, that physicality that you want taking on tight ends and being physical with them, but also being able to turn and run and get himself in position to disrupt at the catch point. When you think about positionless sub package players and really last year, Kyle Duggar, Jeremy Chin, a couple of senior bowl guys, they really, um, were the new mold for that type of thing and how frequently the NFL is played in sub and you want these versatile guys that can, you know, line up over tight ends and take away running backs and play in space, but also maybe play into the line of scrimmage a little bit. Hamza Nasser Ladin's really going to be that guy this year. And he's a unique player. Cause I don't know that there's a whole lot of other guys that I envision for that role, but to see him play, uh, and look good was big for him. And then the defensive tackle from Washington, I'm going to butcher his name, Levi, Owunzariki. I'm sorry if I said his name wrong, but a guy that didn't play in 2020, but I know he had an injury in those types of things uh, during the week, but I thought early on we got a chance to see him play. And I thought in the one-on-ones, you know, he showed some pass rush ability and some quickness off the ball that, you know, you're looking for that interior pass rush in the NFL and we're looking for defensive tackles in this year's class. I think it was good for both of those guys to, to go out and compete and have some really good flashes to kind of regain some of the momentum that they had, um, before they were limited when it comes to games in 2020. So what's interesting, you talked about positionless defenders. And I think what was most fun about that dynamic of last year's draft class was the Isaiah Simmons factor. Mm. Isaiah Simmons is sitting there and he's consensus top 10 prospect in this year's draft and everybody's raving. And then you get a little bit of the criticism. Well, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Are you going to play him at Mike? Where are you going to play him? We ends up going in the top 10 and he struggles mm-hmm. and you get the two guys who went later in Jeremy Chin and Kyle Duggar, who are the two senior bowl guys. And they played better as far as what they were able to bring to the field throughout the entirety of the season. And Jeremy Chin, of course, Oh, just a big rally defender is effectively all he was. And they moved him around and put him in spots and he wasn't great in coverage, but he flew all over the field. And like Isaiah Simmons, Arizona never really felt comfortable putting him out there and kind of moving him around in spots, which is all the more ironic when you think about they drafted a positionless defender in Hassan Reddick not that long ago and had no idea what to do with him either. So maybe Arizona just needs to stick to some archetypes as far as off-ball linebackers versus edge defenders and not draft a guy who played edge and move him back to linebacker and then halfway through the season your pass rush gets hurt and then kick him up to pay a pass rush the second year, uh, half of his rookie season, Chris. Yeah, no, I just I want to ask you guys a, a more of a, a broader big picture type question here, right? And okay. the senior bowl is an extra game that you guys got to evaluate. You got to see all of the practice. How valuable was that for you guys in the weirdness that was 
the, the 2020, 2021 season. Was, was that useful to you guys with seasons starting late and things being all kind of wonky and things getting moved around? Did that extra set of, of tape, did that help you guys in your evaluation process? I had some really strange players in my region, um, whether it was a guy like Cornell Powell from Clemson who didn't do a thing for like five years at Clemson. All of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence gets COVID. Uh, the DJ, uh, DJU comes in and um, looks really good, and he gets the ball to Cornell Powell, and all of a sudden, Cornell Powell's a major part of the Clemson offense, and he's producing. And so to see those reps from him at the Senior Bowl was big. I think about Josh Palmer, wide receiver from Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee offense has been brutal lately. And and you think about him in before 2020, he's behind, you know, Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings. And so this was his big year to get a chance to play. Tennessee couldn't figure things out at quarterback. They kept Palmer on in this box, literally on the right side of their formation and didn't give him a chance to do much to get him in this environment was really good for me to get a better feel for his skill set. And not to mention all the other guys that we didn't get to see play in 2020 that came to the senior bowl and competed all the small school linemen, you know, I mean, well, not just linemen at all positions, you know, it's, it's always valuable for those types of things. So it, it certainly enhanced my understanding of a lot of the skill sets that I've been evaluating. And it gave me some exposures uh, for some other guys that I really needed to cement uh, my evaluation. So for me, extremely useful once again. So Joe brings up a good point with the small school offensive lineman, whether it's Quinn Miners or David Moore from Grambling. Um, those drills, the senior bowl environment is so drastically skewed in advantage of the defensive lineman because there's so much space to operate, just like the DB and wide receiver one-on-ones. So to see guys like Miners and Moore, who I thought had a really good week as well, an offensive guard, uh, showcase themselves to the degree in which they did those are the kinds of the players that most frequently reap the benefits from my personal experience so that didn't surprise me but as joe said you think about some of the players who didn't have the chance to play 13 games like the alabama crimson tide did this year and this absolutely was a great showcase and uh eskridge from western michigan was another wide receiver who came in and just blew the doors off it. Frank Darby, the PAC 12 barely got their season off the ground and he yeah. came in and had some great practices as well. So every box that you can check, every set of bullet points that you can have as far as more information on these players, especially with so much limited access to tape and games this season, it absolutely positively helped. Yeah, I mean, when, when when I asked you guys that question, I was just thinking about it from from my perspective, and, and I'm kind of the, the layman here on this program, is that, like, everybody looks at what have you done for me lately when we look at the draft, right? It's, it's, our, it's, our, it's the recency bias, right? Joe Burrow, the lasting memory of him is walking off the field as a national champion. That's what everybody thinks of. Well, this year, for a lot of guys, you don't have that lasting image. You don't have that lasting memory of what they did on the field because the season was so topsy-turvy. It was so up and down. Games were getting canceled. I mean, you talked about the Pac-12. They started late. They had teams lose games in the middle of the season. So I was just curious because you guys are always looking for more information, right? It's a, it's, this is a fact-finding mission. You're always looking for more things to put into the puzzle to try to complete it. And in, in a year like this where you have to actually go and try to find new puzzle pieces to try to fit into the puzzle, I was just wondering if this has been one of the more challenging seasons for you guys in terms of your evaluation process. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, 
I remember a, a piece of advice that I was given um, as I was kind of, and I, st- I still am learning. I'm learning all the time. But a great piece of advice that was given to me when it came to scouting football players to, is to scout like you're afraid you're going to miss something. And when you apply that information to this year, when you don't have your normal exposures and sample size that you are comfortable with, it really challenges things. And for, for me, I go to the players that, that opted out and it's hard to project growth when they didn't play. Right. It's almost impossible to do that. And it's like, you have to come to this understanding that you have to leave them how you found them because you can't assume that they got better at critical things that were issues. And then at the same time, I'm watching players that did play guys like Christian Darisaw from Virginia tech, uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson, uh, Michael Carter from North Carolina. These were players I was lukewarm on going into the year. And then they went out and had good seasons and got better. And my perception of them is much more favorable than it was in you know June and July when I was getting my initial notes down on these players. So you kind of put all that together and you acknowledge that, yeah, there are some real challenges here, but you know, there, there's a lot of really good benefits as well from the players. We did get a chance to see that normal workload. So it, it's, it's difficult for us. I, I'm, I'm sure it's difficult as well for teams. Well, and that, that volatility with summer scouting, we see it every year, Joe, you and I together between what we did at NDT scouting and what we do with TDN that we've been working on for a few years now, We've been doing summer advanced scouting ahead of player senior seasons for four or five Since years. 2016. Now. Since 2016. So, yeah. yeah. And how many players do you come into the season? You say, this guy's got a little something to work with here. I yeah. think this guy's got the traits to be a first round player and he played at a really high level. And then like, there's the glass ceiling or the plateau or he gets hurt. And he totally sees his stock and his play just kind of fall off the cliff. I could think just off the top of my head, Tyler Beattis, the center yeah. from Wisconsin is a great example of that he was considered a first round prospect. And then he came back to school. Uh, medicals ended up being a problem for him. He gets drafted in the fourth round by the Dallas Cowboys. These, this happens every year, every single year. So that volatility is going to create some really interesting strategies from all 32 franchises, as far as, how they choose to value this year's draft assets and this year's draft picks. And I think if we wanted to get into a transition into talking about the big news from the weekend, you could talk about some of the teams like the Carolina Panthers who have the number eight overall pick in this year's draft. And they were willing to send that to Detroit for a 32 year old Matt Stafford because obviously they need a quarterback, but perhaps the volatility of what this draft class looks like And Joe, you, you can pull up the DraftNetwork.com and look at the top prospects in this year's class. How many of the top 15 did not play football this year? So the perceived top prospects, a lot of them didn't give you the sample size in 2020 to work with. So you're flying blind on a lot of these guys, the Caleb Farley's of the world, the Micah Parsons of the world, Greg Rousseau's no longer ranked up there for us, but there was a perception of him coming into the season that he was going to be a top 10 prospect. I like what you said there about the Panthers being willing to trade number eight for a 32 year old quarterback. And it kind of leads to a question that's been on my mind. And I feel like we ask this question every year, but for different reasons, do you think this environment is going to lead to more trades or less trades? Because there might be something to the, the lion's, 
being okay with Taking getting all their advances yeah, down the road. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah, we don't need a thing this year. Well, we'll get a three or whatever they got. But yeah, we want that first round pick in 2022 in 2023. Most of the time, teams want the return now. And that's that's what when we go to the Watson conversation, we we always come back to the Jets and Dolphins. That's because they have the multiple first round picks right now to give up, but maybe that's not all that appealing given this environment. Well, I think that's, you know, that that's something we've been anticipating is, is some of these teams that are more risk adverse uh, who maybe have stability within their franchise and, and that can come with success or that can alternatively come with everybody's brand new on a brand new spanking new contract uh, that, you know, you're going to be there for a while, like the Detroit lions, you're not in a rush to win because you just signed your deals. So, you know, you have plenty of time to get your assets in place and build up your roster. So a team like that with stability, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these teams punt down the road, trade out of the first round, say, we'll take our assets. We'll take our, our first round pick next year. We'd rather pick at 50 and into which you're probably into a range where you'll have more senior bowl guys on the table yeah. who you have a, a more thorough evaluation on. I'd expect a number of teams do this. So I think this will promote more trade backs but the question is, who are going to be the buyers who yeah. are eager to jump up and take some of this early capital, whether that's the Washington football team, who appears to be very aggressively in the market for a quarterback. The San Francisco 49ers, uh, they weren't super in on the Stafford market, but could that be because they want Kirk Cousins, which we heard a little bit about on yeah. the Twitter timeline today? But that could also mean they really like one of these quarterbacks, like Zach Wilson, and they would say, hey, if we can go get Matt Stafford for a discounted price, great. But if we're going to spend big, we want to go get a young quarterback to put in here with our young roster. You know what all this kind of means? And this is, I feel bad for the teams that are going to do this. Guys like Andy Dalton, guys like Tyrod Taylor, maybe even Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm. These guys are going to start mm-hmm. for team because they have to. Yeah. Because we don't have seven first-round quarterbacks to fill all these needs. And every time a quarterback gets traded – a need for quarterback is introduced. So it's going to be interesting because not everyone's going to be able to solve their quarterback need this year with like their guy for the future. And I think the amount of teams right now in the NFL that can say, we got our guy for now and for the foreseeable future, it's a pretty small list. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. You're unique, and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situations, and answer your questions. And on top of all that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. 
Maybe you're now self-employed and need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. Or maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live tax experts can answer your questions, give tax advice, review your return before you file, or even just do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. File with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. Well, do we want to transition from there and talk about something that you had sent through in our our chat today about Bucky Brooks and Bill Barnwell and kind of this theory of cycling quarterbacks and treating it more like a college program where you get guys for five years and just move on to the next economic option. Can, can we just really quick discuss how in the pre-show meeting, we were like, okay, we'll go here. We'll go here. We'll go there. Senior bowl draft Watson. And then Joe, I don't know, 10 minutes beforehand was like, Hey, found this guys. We should talk about this. Just, just last minute. I'm like, thanks Joe. Really great topic that Listen, we're going to try to fit in here. We normally do takes on second. takes. We do takes on takes on Mondays. Right. And so like, I thought this was a fun take on take to deal with, right. That Bucky Brooks certainly didn't ask us to do, but I We're think it's it a anyway. good discussion. But we have thought, really, so we got to <laughs> really fits in with, uh, you know, kind of the, the philosophy stuff we've been getting into lately. So Joe, you brought it to the table. You're obligated to set the table. Yep. It's all on you, man. Oh, really? Chris That's is the fun. table setter here. You know, no, I'm not, not you are the one that brought it up. I mean, if you want me to set the table, I'll set yeah, the I do. Table. I do want you. Okay. To. okay. So I'll, I'll take it from here. No, no worries. Uh, this was a, this was a story uh, that originally Bill Barnwell, I think wrote back in what was it? 2018. And he reheated it, uh, I think, on Twitter uh, over the weekend or something, probably just in the wake of the, of the Stafford news. And I'll just read you the tweet. and We can go from there. He said, in related news, here's an article I wrote from 2018 about how teams might consider cycling through rookie contract quarterbacks. Jared Goff threw for five TDs and posted a perfect passer rating that evening against the Vikings. Feels like a long time ago now. And then where you, you, where you brought it in, Joe, is where Bucky Brooks jumped into this and said, nice read, Bill. I've discussed similar ideas with Daniel Jeremiah. NFL team should cycle through quarterbacks like college teams draft first round QBs and take advantage of the rookie contract to build super teams around them in year four or five draft another QB one and keep and he puts in quotes team together I think you guys know where I stand on this so I'll, I'll let you guys go first can I talk about what I like about this first sure because I, there's a lot of before holes. you tear it to shreds apparently. yeah because I think there's a lot of holes yeah. to poke in here but what I do like about this is we talk, we say this so many times. You can't cling to a mistake at quarterback. Like that's the worst thing that you can do. I don't care if you take quarterbacks and back to back years in the first round or anything like that. Like keep searching until you find your guy. But so what I do like about this is is it doesn't it doesn't promote like oh well we picked him in the first round we got to give him every chance we can to see if he can be successful and you know make aggressive trades to find rep weapons or, or you know trade up for a certain player because they're going to be what the quarterback needs to, to get our team where we want it to go. So what I do like about this is it does not promote that. Well, we took them in the first round and we got a ride or die with them. Like don't cling to mistakes. That's what I like about this. But well, I did. was there, did you have any, cause I don't, I don't actually know where you stand on this Kyle. I think I know where you are. Chris and I had a pretty spirited conversation about this. So what's like, can you give us a, a temperature uh, feel here so we can know where you're at? If you have a quarterback, I can't justify letting him walk out of the building. Now we've seen examples of quarterbacks who are willing to 
take less than QB one in the league money to make it more friendly for a team to retain talent around them. Tom Brady did that for years and kept restructuring his deal and pushing it back and so on and so forth. But like, yeah, if you swing and miss and you get to year three and you're like, I don't know if this guy's the guy or not, Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And yeah, your team's probably going to be in a position to draft another quarterback, in which case you need to draft one. But to kind of have the statement of, I'm not going to pay a second contract to a quarterback, for some of these quarterbacks, it's asinine to suggest that. Yeah. Because first of all, if the quarterback's good, how often are you going to be in a position to draft a QB1? It's a great question. You that was take one a, of my biggest thoughts. Yep. You're, you're just going to take a uh, QB six at 28 overall and assume he's <laughs> right. going to be plug and play and you'll be right. fine. And like, it doesn't work like that. Right. So, and the other thing that I think about is we're now entering into a new era on the AFC side of things where the quarterbacks who are in the divisional round, the final four in the AFC, who are the quarterbacks, Joe? It was Patrick Mahomes who was drafted in 2017 and three of the five quarterbacks drafted in the first round of the 2018 NFL draft go back 15 years before that. How many quarterbacks were in the conference championship game every single year? It was Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning. And it's like, you had a short list of like five guys who were playing in the conference championship game. So having that continuity at the most important position in sports I think it's worth it, even though if it does force you to make more changes around him in the supporting cast that he has. Hey, Pat Mahomes, thanks for everything for the last five years, brother. No, but uh, five hundred million dollar contract, so can't do it. Can't yeah. do it. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Trask here at uh, thirty-one will be the the answer that we wow. need. Joe just made a Super Bowl pick right here on the air. No, I didn't. You said thirty-one. No, well, because. It was a hypothetical. Listen, if you want a Super Bowl pick, I'll give you a Super Bowl pick. But um, no, yeah, the spirit of what I'm trying to say is like, I just, and maybe that's, it can't be a hard and fast thing, right? Where like, if you do get Mahomes or you do get Watson or Brady or whatever, Rogers, like you, you roll with that player, but that's not what they said, right? Like they said in year four or five, draft another quarterback and keep them together. The other reality here, Kyle, is that, Rookie quarterbacks and like second year quarterbacks, they don't tend to be in conference championship games, right? They're not, it's not normal for them to get there. So now you're really just saying, well, we need like two years for you to figure out how to play. And then we've got like a three year strike zone where we're better happen. Right. And one of those years you're investing a first round pick that you could to help build a a super team around him into drafting his eventual replacement. And some guys, some players just can't handle that, right? <laughs> they they need right? they need that that certainty and that assurance Shoot. that we saw that guy, in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz. Right. Wasn't going to name names, but they you know no, like they can't that. deal with that. They they can't deal with it. So, so Chris, I'm, I'm out. I'm all the way out on this. Thing. Chris is all the way in. Last time we talked. So, so where? Uh, listen, I think that's a little bit of an unfair uh, view of, of my of my opinion. Joe, you were there when we did this show together. You correct me if anything I'm saying today is different than what I said then. If you have an Aaron Rodgers, a Russell Wilson, a Patrick Mahomes, a Deshaun, fine, Watson. A Deshaun Watson, we'll put him in that category. Since okay. That was apparent. not consistent with what you <laughs> that's said. That's fine. I know my brand has changed. Whatever. Fine. I'll take my lumps. That's fine. If you don't have a quarterback in that tier, then yeah, I think you should strongly consider this because I think, guys, what happens is 
teams get this this FOMO. They get this fear of the guy going elsewhere and succeeding elsewhere, and it compounds the mistake. Like Joe mentioned, this allows teams to admit that, hey, we made a mistake. Let's move on and not make this situation worse. That's what I like about this. Let me give you guys a hypothetical real quick and, and just go with me here. If Lamar Jackson didn't win a playoff game this year, in his first three seasons, he wouldn't have won a single playoff game, right? The insufferable takes. He would have entered the offseason, this offseason, in which he was going to be eligible for a contract extension. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, could you see a scenario where they say, no, we're not going to offer Lamar a big contract extension because he hasn't won in the postseason? Could, is that a scenario Stafford that is plausible? still doesn't have a playoff win under his belt. He just went for two twos at 32 years old, or two ones at 32 years old. Why are you yelling at me, man? I'm just giving I you a hypothetical. I, I, because that, that it was in my mind. I could see a scenario in which they are not eager to set the market and they would have another right. prove-it deal. Or another prove-it year in year four before you decide we're going to give out the big money contract. Right, but him going into that year, he's going to be looking for what the new mark is, right? Or at least close to it. And I could see some hesitation to be like, ah, are we sure? Now, he won that playoff game and he kind of alleviated those concerns, which I think were a little ridiculous to begin with. But th those are situations that teams find themselves in. Yes, Kyle? That's Dak Prescott. And you know how I feel about Dak Prescott and whether or not he should be get, he should get a long term extension Dak in Dallas. Prescott I'm not a fan. Should have got paid twenty months ago. I would have rather paid him when the market price was thirty four and a half million dollars. Oh yeah. And now you sat here on your hands and you waited and waited and waited and you made him play on the franchise tag. And if Dak Prescott comes back and plays like gangbusters and lights it up with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper mm -hmm. and Dalton Schultz at tight end, who all of a sudden is this big thing, and, and Zeke Elliott looks more like himself and the offensive line is back healthy and he's passing for 6,000 yards, which was the pace he was on for the first four and a half games before he got hurt, do you think you're going to sign Dak Prescott for $34 million when the cap jumped back up? Or are you going to no. have to pay Dak $43, $44 million a year? Yeah, he's going to ask for QB1 money, and, and, and I understand that. But uh, it's a little different. Dak wasn't a first-round guy, and the first-round guys you treat a little bit differently because they have that fifth year, yeah. right? You're, you have a little bit more control, so it is a little different. But, but no, I, I get your point. But listen, if you have a Mahomes, a Watson, a Rodgers, a, a Russell Wilson, of course, when those guys get to the window where you need to extend them, you extend talents that are that good. I'm not full bore into this, into this strategy, right? I'm not all the way in on it, but... It is something that I've considered because I think teams do kind of go down this road where they commit themselves to something without it, without being a hundred percent sure. And it does kind of set them back at times, which is Here's why the they, I was just going to say, which is why the structure of the contract matters. Yes, it does. For and that what extent, the chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes is brilliant for the flexibility long-term right. with Patrick being able to say, I got my guaranteed money yeah. and the chiefs being able to see, we have the cap flexibility to get out of this at any point. If it goes awry. Yeah. The, the chiefs don't owe Mahomes anything beyond 2024. They can literally get out of the deal in 2023. They're in, they're like in really six, good shape. Six with club that. club options. But guys, let's, let's look at the news recently. Compare that to what the Rams did with Jared Goff. You have to have a front office that is, that's able to structure a contract in a yeah. coherent way that gives you that flexibility. Some GMs, some front offices don't do that. And then it puts you in a situation like Sean McVay and the Rams found themselves in. I was told the cap is just monopoly money. It's not real. <laughs> that's not how understand. that works, uh, Kyle. No, you actually have to, you have to stand under the cap. I think something dangerous happened with the Goff Wentz group. Was that 17? Or is that 16? 16, I believe. Okay, so Goff and Wentz in 16. For whatever reason, they both got extensions after year three, right? Didn't have to. Still had year four and the fifth year option. But they got the extension after year three. So guess what had to happen next? 
Mahomes and Watson, they had to get their money after year three. So now here we are with this 2018 class. And for some reason, the Bills, the Browns, the Ravens, right? Because I think those three quarterbacks have entered do we extend them discussion. Right. Now they have to make that decision when they really don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. The Bills don't have to decide to pay Josh Allen this offseason. But because this precedent has now been set that if you have your guy, right, that you have to pay him after year three, like we've gotten into this dangerous position that we don't have to be in, but I feel like that's the precedent. I, I, I almost feel like you have to do it. So that's what makes me nervous. And if you're going to take, if, if you're going to take care of the player, you know, you think about the rookie wage scale and what the, the salary distribution looks like for your first four years of that contract before the fifth year option, which becomes this massive leap in salary and accelerate. Yeah. yeah you're going to have quarterbacks that are pretty ticked off. If they're playing year four, they're playing for, Eight million dollars. Yeah. When if if they got the extension, they'd be getting thirty-five, forty million dollars. And you have to wait for them to exercise the fifth year option to see that salary really jump up to twenty, twenty-five million dollars. Well, and the incentive for the team is it's never going to be less than it is today, right? Mm-hmm. So right. there's incentive the to market. do it earlier, but let's be honest. Like I, I love Josh Allen. I love what Lamar Jackson's being able to do. Baker Mayfield found himself this year, right? Do we really have enough information about any of those three players to say, here's $40 million a season? My guy. (laughs) (laughs) But is he, you going to pay him 40 million this off season? No, I'm going to make him play next year. We're going to do Lamar. You giving him 40. I mean, Lamar at least was a unanimous MVP in 2019 before. What about Josh? One year of elite play. I would, the only one I would be ready to pay is Lamar because he has two years of the sample size. Okay. See, Fair Lamar, enough. I think would be at the would be like the middle of the list for me. Which is Josh first for you? I think Josh is one, Lamar is two, and Baker's three. But you could convince me of Baker over Lamar. I listen, guys. I just think I, I think it's important that like it's okay to say after year three we need more information, right? Like, and I think but is it that's are the afraid is to do really? that? Is it really okay? Can the Bills say, "Hey, Josh, man, thanks for everything last year. We really appreciate it." Uh, you're our guy. You're our guy. We believe in you. But you know what? You're not going to get the same treatment that Goff and Wentz and, and Mahomes and Watson did. We need another year. Does that send the right message? Joe, they should just draft Kyle Trask at 28. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> just there it is. Just cycle through. <laughs> there it is, brother. We've you come full answer. circle. No, I, uh, Joe, I totally get what you're saying, that once the precedent is set, it's hard. It, it's Listen, once Pandora's box is open, it's hard to close the box again. It's almost impossible. I, I hear what you're saying, but – somebody's going to do it at some point, right? One of these teams is going to have to go down this road because, listen, I'll give you another example. In the following season, it's going to be Kyler Murray, and I don't mm. think the Cardinals have enough information right now to make that decision, and I don't know if he if he has one year here in 2021 it is of, a, of elite play. Is that enough, right? That's the kind of situation that the, the, these teams find themselves in, and because Mahomes got paid, because uh, Watson got paid, teams have to follow suit or guys feel like they're not getting the respect from the front office and from ownership that they feel they deserve. So it, it's, it is a very tricky situation that you find yourselves in. But again, you still got two more years of all these guys like Josh Allen. It, it could be a bill for the next five seasons, two more years, and then three franchise tags, right? It, it, mm-hmm. If, if you had to go totally, you had to play this game of chicken all the way out. That's how far this could go. So there is room. There is a window to negotiate an extension. So it's not like impossible, but yeah, I think we've reached a point where after three years, it's basically guaranteed. If you're a first round quarterback, you're still on the team that you're on and you're playing at least halfway decent. You're getting a big time contract. 
So is this like the office meme where it's Brandon Bean, Eric DaCosta, and Andrew and Barry? All, you know what I mean? They're Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Listen, John Proudy, that's a pop culture reference out of you that I, I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled, enthralled that we Can, got here. We all want to put them up here while we're all in the, the multi-screen together. <laughs> we want to do it? Okay, we can do it. We, we can, <laughs> this is the ultimate stand. Who's going to do it? If nobody does it, we're okay, right? Here's my counter, okay? This is why I really – I don't like the Rams' overall team-building strategy – but I can get behind paying Matt Stafford for two years and him owing $43 million over two seasons. Maybe not if you had to give up a second one because the Jared Goff contract was so bad, but like to kind of tweak Bucky Brooks's approach here, alternatively, instead of just drafting rookie quarterbacks or every four or five years to get one on a cheap rookie contract, doesn't it make sense to go trade for veteran quarterbacks? And give up your one and you take the guesswork out mm -hmm. of trying to find a quarterback and you say, hey, mm -hmm. thanks for paying that contract two years with all that guaranteed money and the signing bonus. I'll take him on his base salaries and any roster bonuses you have instead. That yeah. deal gave me courage, to be honest with you, when I say the Bills should pay Josh Allen. Because maybe in three years or whatever, if things aren't going well, you might have that type of opportunity. So I think that's an interesting tweak on what Bucky's proposition was of year four, year five, draft a QB one. Nah, I'm looking for the guy whose team is ready to, to have a fresh start. And I want to trade my first round pick for that guy instead, because if I'm a competitive team, you know, I'm going to be picking in the twenties. And if I'm picking in the twenties and I can ship that guy out and, and get a quarterback who his average per salary per year, based on what his initial contract was, is, top eight market money, but I've only got to pay him 20, $22 million a year. That's a home run. So, so Kyle, you mentioned that you, you're, you're a fan of what the Rams are doing in this regard. Are you a fan of giving away all of the first round draft picks to draft Jared Goff and then get rid of Jared Goff? I just want to make sure that we have a, we have a standard here of what you want me to quote the, the numbers again. Is that, I think, yeah. it, I think I, I had it cause I used it. I, I, I no. sourced you from it. I think it's four firsts, three seconds and like three thirds. So they traded two ones, two twos, and two threes to trade up to one to get Jared Goff in 2016. He was abysmally bad in 2016. Uh, there was that spark with McVay at first, and then we kind of hit the glass ceiling. And now they've, they've spent two ones and another three to replace him five years later. So you're literally talking about four ones, two twos, and three threes for a five-year investment at quarterback and then getting out of it after you gave him a contract extension. Uh, that's, that's some, that's some good cap management and draft asset management there. It's wild to me that the team has been as good as they are, but and they're, good, and they're probably going to be good next year too, right? Like they're in a really good position for like a two year stretch to have a window with this. Is it fair to have questions about the defense though? Because like personnel wise, I got two good players and, and that's no, that's not fair because they, they probably have, well, they're, gonna have, they're, they're gonna have some less because John Johnson's a free agent, right? And you can't bring him back from a cap. Perspective. Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller are gonna have to start at safety, right? That, that's just gonna have to be the deal there. I mean, if you, if, a... if you have the arrogance to think that you're gonna knock every day two pick that you ever make out of the park, this model can work. But law of averages says you're gonna get about half of a brunt. How, how much credit for like the Rams were a good football team this year? How much credit was that on the defense? I think a good amount. Yes. Mm -hmm. So now Brandon Probably Staley's not coming back, offense. guys. And that, that defense, like after the first four weeks of the season, was like the best in the NFL. 
Do we want to play a fun game of going through their second round picks after the golf trade? Oh yeah. You yeah, guys interested? I have it that. up. Okay. Let's so they, they, they take off with the first pick in 2016, yep. 2017. They don't have a first. They take Gerald Everett in the second round. Oh, Taylor Higby's a better player. They yeah, got him they got late, Higby, right? like two rounds later. Um, right. They got Cooper cup that same year in round three. They got John Johnson in round three. They got Josh Reynolds in round four. So that, that's okay. 2017. So 50%, you know, we're, we're two for four through 2017 solid what else we got 2018 they didn't have a second round pick they had a third round pick in which they took joseph noteboom with mm. the tackle with their with their with their third round pick oh, fringe starter for them tackle. Yep. 2019 round two they took taylor rap who got benched for jordan fuller who was a sixth round pick right okay and they also had three thirds that year they took daryl henderson david long and bobby evans okay so david long's been good David Long's a fun football player, but he's been, I'm thinking of the Tennessee David Long. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. There's, there was two David Longs in that class, one from West Virginia, one from Michigan. Chris, you should have specified this was right. corner, this is, corner this is David Michigan. Long from Michigan. This yeah, is the, the Michigan David Long. My bad. David That's on Long. me. That's on yes. me. My fault. Yeah. My fault. And then in 2020, they took Cam Akers in the second round. They took Van Jefferson in the second round. And, and that was it. They had two seconds and so, then they had two thirds. Two runs so th in this stretch as well. Daryl Henderson was so impressive. They had to take Cam Akers with their top pick the next year. And Cam, Cam Akers uh, had some good games. I was going to say, let's, let's be fair to Cam Akers. Cam Akers was really good in the back half of the season. And I You'd think he's like going to thrive think, in a snap pick, If you pick Daryl Henderson the year before in the third round, that you wouldn't have to pick a running back again in the second round. Imagine how much better they'd have been, regardless of who was playing running back, if they made some investments on the offensive line and we're not relying on Andrew Whitworth <laughs> to be out there year over year, over year, over year. Hey, Austin Corbett shown some life this year, brother. And Thank that's goodness good news for the brand. That's <laughs> great news for the brand. Both of us were huge Austin yeah. Corbett fans coming out of, say, out of Nevada. He had great tape. But Kyle, I think you, I think your point is so well taken here that, that this can work if you are really good at evaluating talent and can hit home runs with the second round picks. Do we describe any of these as home runs? Are they picks. any of these, picks. you know, th there's some solid picks, but anything home run, you know, roster changing for them. I don't think so. Mm. Cam well, Akers, maybe. I, I think what the Rams did do is they found some success with some later picks. You know, Joe mentioned Jordan Fuller uh, who, who came in and, and was a sixth round pick and he's been really good. And that's what we see. You know, if we want to shift the focus to the, the Super Bowl, the game this Sunday at all for, for Radio mm -hmm. Row here, the Kansas City Chiefs are doing this right now. And they are yep. consistently finding fringe draftable guys who they feel comfortable to put into their defensive structure. And it's not to the same degree of which Los Angeles has Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, and that's it. But they got Chris Jones, who they extended and gave a big contract to. And you we were like, wow, how are they going to make this work from a cap perspective? And Legarius Sneed is out there balling out. And, and Daniel Sorensen, you, you see what he's been able to become after several years in that program. And, and there's good examples of players. Uh, Wharton, the the pass, the rookie pass Deshaun rusher, he's like yep. the second most productive rookie pass rusher this year. Yep. So there's examples of Kansas City being the team that is like the gold standard of what the Rams want to be, which is ironic because the Rams are more into it. Yeah, I think it's pretty when you talk about the chiefs roster construction, it's really fun because there is a lot of players just like that. Rashad Fenton deserves a shout out. Michael Dana. These guys are like late fifth round picks that are meaningful players for them. But think about the impact stars that they have. And let's start with Patrick Mahomes, 
who was not the first quarterback drafted, right? He was picked 10 overall, a quarterback. Mahomes, right? Travis Kelsey, superstar, Hall of Fame tight end, third-round pick. Uh, Tyreek Hill, fifth-round pick. Juan Thornhill. They don't get credit for Tyreek, though. He had all that off-the-field stuff, and that's why he fell. They still pulled the trigger, and they have a game-changing player. They did. Chris Jones was a second-round pick. He's one of the best defensive linemen in the game. Chris Jones had no business going in the second round. But this is these are the moves that they were. These are their they're like they're game-changing players. None of them were like not getting them in premium spots. No, not even close to it. And John Dorsey deserves some credit for this, right? But Brett Veach, I think, has done a really good job of of filling in the 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 blanks, if you will. To yeah. keep this roster really good, and and it, look, and that's the thing, they've got big money tied up in Mahomes. They got big money in in Kelsey and Hill and in Jones, so they're not going to have this great opportunity to keep adding premium talent. But if they keep hitting on on picks and they're getting you know meaningful contributions from Rashad Fenton's of the world and Tershawn Wharton's and Michael Dana's and Algerius Sneeds, and they're piecing together this interior offensive line, like it's game over. Like good luck because it's going to be a, a real program here. In Kansas City, that's going to be tough to deal with for a long, long time. Remember when we were all worked up when they traded Marcus Peters a few years back? <laughs> that's a good like point. Peters came in in 2015, and he was, a, was this incredible ball hawk, and he was getting all this ball production, like record-setting pace early on. And then, obviously, there were the issues there with Andy Reid and, and didn't get along with the coaching staff, so they trade him. And we were like, wow, we can't believe they traded this really high-end corner. And, and Peters is now, I think, on his third team. You know, he went to, to L.A. and then he ends up in Baltimore and he's with the Ravens now. And so there's a value in, in having players that, that fit your system but also buy in. And I think the mm-hmm. Chiefs are doing as good of a job as any. And the Rams did that this past year as well, uh, to be fair, with kind of them being the catalyst of this conversation. But what makes the Chiefs so fascinating is they have so many players that like it's next man up that could step up at any given point to make a play. They're about to play in the Super Bowl with four backup offensive linemen. It, 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 AFC Championship game with three. Didn't matter, right? Like, I mean, credit to Andy Reid. Dude is unbelievable. I think like what he's been able to do in Kansas City has certainly helped cement his legacy. But when you look at his ability to de- develop not just players, but coaches and he always wins, and he's had success in two different places. I mean, hats off to Andy Reid. He's unbelievable. And, and guys, what I love about this Super Bowl matchup, and, and it's it's easy to get lost in Brady and Mahomes, but you guys are talking about the roster building on both sides for both of these teams is is something that other NFL teams need to be taking a look at because it's easy for the Bucks to look at, oh, they got Tom Brady, and that took them over the top. Look at the rest of that roster. The rest of that roster was loaded with talent that they acquired in the draft via free agency. They, they took guys that, that, that needed a, a change of scenery, that needed to go someplace else. JPP, Sue. I mean, they, they did this with a bunch of different guys. Um, just the roster building here is, I think, the most fascinating thing to me. And then you, you piggyback off of that, and obviously Winfield Jr., his availability is kind of up in the air, but he was such a huge addition to a defense that had such a great front seven, and, and they have yeah. this – mold at corner where they want these big long physical guys that beat you up on the line of scrimmage and you know when you have the kind of speed on the second level of defense that that they do to be able to play in some of their base fronts I think that's the most exciting proposition of this matchup for me is thinking about you know if Kansas City tries to go condense sets and they're gonna have a tight end with his hand in the dirt 
Tampa can play in base defense because they have the speed between Levante David and Devin White at linebacker to cover enough ground to really avoid being put in conflict by some of those situations. So that chess match when Kansas City has the ball is the one I'm most excited about in this matchup. I think the X factor in this game is Juan Thornhill. Um, Really good deep safety for Kansas City. And what he does such a good job of is – breaking towards the sideline on deep balls, right? Like he disguises his intentions and his ability to cover ground, track the ball and get to the catch point is really special. And you think about the way that Tampa likes to attack defenses with their vertical passing game. If the, if Thornhill is going to be on his game, some of that stuff might not be available. Like Tampa wants it to. So I, he, he to me is a real X factor. And then they obviously get honey badger kind of rat in the hole type player and, let him freelance a little bit. And I mean, there's just, they're so sound. And I love what Spags has been able to do from a scheme perspective with this group. I know that they give up some yards, but it's been a top 10 scoring defense the last two years. And from a scheme perspective, they, they really can do a lot of different things. Can I give you a defensive X factor on the other side of the ball? Please. Since uh, this, this will be our, our kind of closing thoughts. Here we got to make a, we got to make an official pick too, right? We have we to, we still you know. got Thursday. Uh, okay. All right. All right. No, I don't want to rush it. Okay. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you the extra couple of days to think about it. Great. I'm going to need them. Um, <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we, we're going to have more time so, so I can make this decision. Defensive X factor on the other side of the ball. Joe, how many backup offensive linemen are playing for the chiefs in this game? Four. Who did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just get back? for the NFC championship game along their defensive line. Vita Vea. So all 350 pounds of them. (laughs) Vita Vea has really unique size, first step quickness, penetration ability. He's traditional nose, but he's got a little bit more to him than that. So you think about the chiefs having all of these backup offensive linemen, best way to impact the quarterback is interior pressure right in your face. That's going to disrupt your ability to see the field. If Vita Vea can play a lights out ball game, you know, whenever he's on the field, I think he's the defensive X factor. You mentioned Juan Thornhill uh, for Kansas city on defense. I think my Tampa Bay defensive X factor would be Vita Vea and his ability to push the pocket, take advantage of playing against a bunch of backup talents. And if he can take over the line of scrimmage and, and collapse the pocket into Mahomes' lap, I think things get real interesting. Today's episode of Draft Dudes was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can view it exclusively at BlueNile.com. That's going to do it for us here today on the show. Draft Dudes uh, really had a great time here, kind of going along. We always joke about needing a little bit more time for the programming. We got it here. Virtual Radio Row all week long. So make sure that you are staying plugged in with what we are doing the live programming that we have. We have a bunch of great talents. There's going to be a bunch of great, great uh, guests throughout the course of the week as well, building up to uh, the big day itself with the big game on Sunday. So Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, thanks as always for tuning in to this live episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday and we hope to see you then.